0: Everybody enjoyed their lunch uh, and, of course, the uh, this talk this afternoon. Uh, so I just want to give a quick shout-out, um, so some thank-yous to uh, Shaw TV, uh, who broadcast the, the SACPA sessions. Um, Lethbridge Herald, CKXU Radio 88.3. Um, they um, do some lovely media coverage of our events. Uh, Country Kitchen Catering, we would like to thank you for our meal um, and your support. And, of course, the University of Lethbridge. Just a a quick reminder uh, for anybody who hasn't, um, the SACPA memberships are $25 and you're uh, encouraged to purchase uh, one uh, this afternoon. You can see Shiro over here if you'd like to do so. Um, So, uh, just a quick heads up for next week will be uh, a very interesting topic. Uh, I know Chelsea Schubert fairly well and she's always engaging. So, she's going to be talking about uh, bees and pollinators. Uh, Are they essential to our food supply? So, I highly recommend uh, coming out to catch her. Uh, with that, that speak uh, speaker. So, uh, with that, uh, I think we'll open up the floor to some questions. So, let's welcome Claudia back, and um, we'll start answering questions.
1: Okay. Thank you very much uh, for a very uh, tight, concise, well-structured uh, that was
2: tight wasn't it? presentation.
1: <laughs> I think you probably can organize things. Um, I heard you lauding the research my name is Terry Shellington I heard you lauding the investment in research by Quebec Yes. Uh, would you care to say how it is in Alberta and uh, how we compare to other provinces besides Quebec
2: Um, well I can only really speak to uh, Quebec because that's the only um, discussion that we had Uh, I mean we, we interviewed uh, um, a lot of people across the country, and one of the issues is a sticking point is sometimes matching funds from provincial governments for federal initiatives and stuff. And it seems like that is a problem um, in particular in Alberta, because the Alberta government priorities are so specific. Um, and, you know, that they align with, um, with oil and gas, fiber, and, and food. And, you know, like they, have, they traditionally have sort of four priorities that were quite specific to the local economy. So we heard that a lot. Um, I, but we didn't actually talk about how provinces are structured. It wasn't part of the mandate of the panel, except that Remy Kirion, who is the chief scientific officer of Quebec, happened to also to be on the panel, and he talked a lot about how they do things there, and we were all like, oh my God, how can we get on that train? Um, they've just made a really conscious decision that this is important to them. It's almost seen, I think, as a cultural artifact, that there be French language research intensity, and that they want to support that. So they've. Uh, many of the recommendations, actually, that uh, we are made from, we, we made for the panel, reflect practices that are already in place in Quebec, just because they've already been looking around. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, oh, I, I, I keep looking to the audience. <laughs>
1: Again, I enjoyed your presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much. My name is Mike McCaig. Hi. My question revolves around uh, the concern that I seem to be seeing um, about around research and governments telling scientists what they can and can't say, what they can and can't release, and we're hearing like south of the border where they're taking words off websites and all that. Could you kind of comment how much is our research dollar kind of tied to that issue?
2: Well, I think that's what I was trying to uh, allude to, although maybe not as clearly as I I, I dreamed I was, uh, uh, in that 70-30 split. We um, believe that optimally 70% of research should be researcher-driven, curiosity-driven based on your excellence as a researcher, recognition by your peers of the quality of your work, the quality <laughs> of the work that is proposed again, peer reviewed, all of those things, rather than that these initiatives should be driven by um, questions that come from, univer- from government or from, um, from industry. So we're, at, we're, at, we're, we're in reverse from where we want to be. Uh, And I think it it is challenging, particularly, I'm going to say, in health research. Uh, The the Canadian Institutes for Health Research have uh, experienced a lot of friction from their constituents. They're the ones with the 8% success rate. It's ridiculously low. Um, They're the ones... We're seeing an increasing concentration to really big grants with big, hot topics that fit with the bureaucratic mandate and we're also seeing that resulting in a concentration of research dollars in the U15 rather than sort of democratically spread across the country. So by the U15 I mean the, the top population and research intensity universities, McGill, Toronto, UBC and so forth. Right.
3: My name is Mark Gettle, and it, following what you just said about these centers and uh, funding uh, clusters, etc., are you aware of the superclusters clusters that yes, have just the been announced? super
2: clusters. Yes, I am okay. aware of the super S- I was
3: speaking to a former director general at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, the research branch, and he was saying that there's about a billion dollars that have been announced. Scientists have been given six weeks kind of to come up with a proposal... Worth 200 to 200, 250 million dollars I for know. a supercluster. He know. says this is absolute lunacy. It should take at least a year for someone to be able to put together a proposal for a supercluster like that. So, can you comment on that? I think one of the problems is the governments. They see a problem and they have to come up with some new solution rather than funding everything that you said that it needs funding. The infrastructure that's there, that that is already in place. They have to discover and invent something new, and really that's wasted money when you give such a short time.
2: So a, a couple of... I think I'm... Am I still... Oh, I, I am. Okay, sorry, I didn't hear myself. Uh, a couple of comments. Uh, first of all, um, although the the formal announcement was made with a six-week window, um, that, that's been a conversation that has been circulating and informally known for quite a long time, and you can be assured that universities that know they're in a position to actually meet that $250 million goal have been working hard and long and fast and furious to get themselves ready for it before the announcement even happens, And so the, the other part of that is because they're so big and we have this kind of um, un, unquestioned notion that bigger is better perhaps, perhaps. Uh, we do end up seeing this concentration so again with national centers of excellence or canada excellence research chairs or with these clusters the superclusters, we see them concentrated in in the top 15 universities actually more likely in the top five universities because it takes a huge effort to make that happen a huge um, you know, personal infrastructure to meet the demands of that kind of a call. So, so there was a lot. This is this is also part of the part of the recommendations of the of the federation that is that you know, like we need to feed everybody. Um, of course, there are some questions that can only be answered at a really high level in a very um, you know big science kind of way, but not as many as you would think. You know, so, good questions. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, they're coming. Thank you very,
4: very much for the very complete innovation and experience that you related to us. Can you give us an idea, politically, how each party, government, has worked towards and accepted the fact that innovation is the future of our life and the world compared to Stephen Harper's government and Mr. Trudeau's government. How do they compare? And while I'm on my feet, may I introduce a special guest from Flint, Floss, Manitoba as attending the meeting.
5: Sorry, I want to thank everybody. No, it's not on. There it is. There it, is. it is. I want to thank everybody for uh, being an honored guest of, of Frank's. Uh, what a man! Uh, I have been on council for one term in Funflon. I know how difficult that process is, but I'm very proud to say that I've been a school board trustee and still am for over 30 years, and. Uh, when we talk about youth, and we talk about government, and we talk about innovation, uh, without innovation and people, and I see it from the young end, uh, knowing where they're going and where they can be taken to with all the unrest in our, in our lives today, it's, it's essential that we have these kinds of goals. And I want to thank Frank very much for allowing me to come with them and uh, be a very small part of this. And there's so much wisdom in this group. Uh, don't let the young people think or, or believe you haven't got so much to give. Thank you.
4: One more. Her name is an Angela Simpson <laughs> from Flint Lawn, Manitoba. Give her a hand, will you please?
2: Thank you, Frank and Angela. All right, Claudia. All right, so this is where I identify myself as having no short-term memory whatsoever. Um, The question was, can you... Do you want me to read it? Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We're, going, we're oh, compare going the two governments. That's why I forgot. We're, it, we're going back to governments. Yeah.
4: Stephen Harper's government and New Liberal government. Right. How have they acted towards innovation? Right. With all the money being thrown into research on
2: it. Right. Or not being thrown, <laughs> as the case may be. Um, I mean, I think so. I, uh, you know, as a as a as a university bureaucrat, I I'm I'm told you know to be careful. <laughs> but but I'm you know, as a social scientist, I've never been careful, so I don't quite know what to say about those two things. But um, what we found, so we, we traveled across the country, we interviewed, as I said, people who are just starting their research careers and people who have reached the pinnacle. We talked to people who have Canada excellence research chairs, we talked with graduate students, we talked with people from schools like... Mount St Vincent with 2000 students to people from schools like the University of Toronto with 60 or 70,000 students we heard the same things over and over again uh, that the last 10 to 12 years so we did our in, our investigations 2 years ago pretty much right after the change of government and it was a uh, one of the very first initiatives made by the by the liberal government that that people uh, felt, I mean, we, we, like I said, we had people crying. Uh, people um, spoke passionately about their work and spoke with extreme frustration about their inability to conduct it under the current conditions. And I'm going to say that that was also true of the bureaucrats with whom we worked. We were given a secretariat from the um, Ministry of Science and, 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 uh, and Innovation to work with. And it was like they, it was like it was a, <laughs> to, to quote Pierre, uh, Pierre Trudeau's son, that just uh, aged me right there, didn't it? That to quote, to quote Justin Trudeau, it was like sunny days. You know, there was just this sense that we are no longer muzzled. We actually can do, I mean, cause these are smart people who work for the government. They're well-educated, they're well-trained, and they're dedicated. And you know we can do our jobs now, and we can take this project forward. So I got a real strong sense of optimism and relief and hope um, in those rooms, uh, both uh, with, with my colleagues and fellow researchers, but also with bureaucrats and decision-makers.
1: Hello, uh, my name is Tarmichi. Thank you, Claudia, for coming. I think this is your second time it is. to speak to yeah. us. My question is, how come there aren't that many rich people in Canada who contribute money through endowment funds, and we have to depend so much on government funding? How come do we not have as many rich people as the United States? Or even Israel.
2: Yeah, so we did have a little conversation over lunch in that sense. Um, Lethbridge does Lethbridge. Uh, Lethbridge is not endowed like the University of Toronto is endowed, for example. You know, just like even Calgary is not endowed like Edmonton is endowed. Just the length of the institution, the um, uh, the, the alumni, the sort of precedent setting, all of those things. I mean, academics are ambivalent in some ways about having their research be funded by donors or having their research be funded by an industry sponsor, because you worry a lot about what will happen with the results of that research, for example. We're talking about industry-sponsored research and how it might be that in order to get that funding, you have to sign uh, a, an agreement around intellectual property that you do the research, and then that becomes the property of the funder. And then five years later, if you have a brilliant insight and you want to go back and use that data, that belongs to the funder. That's you know These are really different kinds of, of ways of doing research from giving a researcher money to do what it is that they... Are expert in and that they can lead the direction of. So just to go back to the comments around innovation, nowadays I think we are hearing so frequently that research and innovation are terms that are used interchangeably but I'd like to uncouple those two terms because I think innovation really does focus on this sort of commercializable is it utilitarian kinds of questions and sometimes the, the questions that we engage in that are critical to good living, that are critical to long life, that are critical to citizenship, aren't commercializable and aren't innovative. They're just important. you know. So uh, that would be my... Yeah. Thank you.
6: Thank you so much. I'm Bev Mundle-Atherstone. Hi. I talked to you a minute ago. <clears throat> um, we have to find a different term other than sexy, as my husband was saying, because... Uh, Talks can be riveting and important and critical, but they don't, aren't necessarily sexy. And yours was all of the above. Um, my concern about what happened under the Harper government and what is happening in the South, to our neighbors to the South, has to do with taking away um, good research and going from truth, the truth in research, to truthiness or plain out and out lies so it seems to me that our whole democratic institution is under attack when we when we don't have the opportunity for our universities to do as you're calling it um, pure pure research. I think is what it, what it used to be called pure research or research in the, from the researcher's perspective. Yeah,
2: curiosity driven, like there's a curiosity word driven. It, yeah. Yes,
6: yes. So um, my concern is that. Um, We've already gone through hell with that bad, horrible Harper government. Um, Now we have the Liberals, which are really just the flip side of the same coin of the Conservatives. And we're going to be... You would like us to write letters and and, uh, sign a petition and so on. But I'm wondering, are you also in touch with the New Democrats? And I would urge you to send copies of your letters to the important people within the New Democratic um, Party federally so that you've got an opposition shouting out democracy in big capital letters and that our, our universities are critical here. Right. Just witness our own L with its new program in um, a critical thinking. So um, your comments on the democracy, the democratic issue of what you people were working on.
2: So uh, first of all, at the federal level, that kind of lobbying with the NDP government has occurred. And it talks that I've given, and in, in all of the communications that have been sent through my office, our provincial um, NDP representatives have been included. And they've been present at the talks. Um, our MP has not. Uh, uh, and I think so as far as lobbying goes from a local perspective, well, I appreciate that. I think that you you know you're asking, we, are, we need to be asking people who represent us to go forward. So um, at the federal level, absolutely that that's happening. but, but my, th- my thinking was that for provincially like speaking with with our MP and copying our local MLAs, in addition to dealing directly with the Liberal government, is probably the way to go. I mean, I'm willing and happy to entertain different ways of thinking about it, for sure. But you know, I know, I know that Universities Canada, which is the key lobbying group on this on this front, is is always and and the the panel members themselves are always including all three parties, for sure.
6: Thank you very thank you very much. I was just thinking copies of your letters to the federal right. ministers in the in, in uh, federal. Shadow ministers in the NDP.
2: Yeah, it's a good th- it's a good thought. I'll, go, I'll I'll go back and do that.
7: Hello, my name is Knut Peterson. Thanks for coming again, Claudia. Uh, my question relates to uh, we do we have had some some rather big gifts by individuals to the and university. The Prentice Institute is one. Uh, Cor Van uh is another one who uh, stepped up to the plate. Uh, could you tell us, uh, we spoke a little bit about at the table, but uh, my interest is uh, potatoes, even though I've re- been retired for 20-some years. Uh, can you give us any idea about where the potato research is going? No. No? Okay. <laughs> well... Well, we had Erasmus come here. Yeah, and he, Erasmus
2: and is your potato guy. He's your potato and beef guy, in fact. Yeah. Um, my I, in some ways we haven't we have divided the portfolio according to our lights. So uh, I look after the humanities, health, and social science end of things more, and he's much more industry and agricultural related. So um, while we while we Work collectively. I, I, he's a, he's your better responder on that on that score. I'm sorry to say.
7: Yeah, uh, I mean, on some occasions, uh, collaboration between industry and uh, and government funding it can actually work very well. It doesn't have to be uh, slated in one direction.
2: Yeah, I think I think that I, I agree with you, and I appreciate your reminding us that we do have generous sponsorship of, of a lot of our research on campus or of, uh, of institutes. And, and and to that end, if you've got any wealthy friends, please let them know the door is open and they can certainly come and knock and come on in, you know. Um, but I think it's just a, mo- a, a matter of balance. And it's really this, the focus of this inquiry was on federal funding. And, and federal funding has followed suit in that sort of pro... Pro industry, pro commercialization, or even pro—like I mean, um, post truth and reconciliation commission. A lot of the calls that we're seeing are indigenous, and what we need to, you know, are in, are related to indigenous issues, and and that takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of connection and it takes time to build capacity and and people who should be doing it are people from the communities themselves and that will take time. So sometimes there's these kind of unreflexive and very quick responses. It's like let's get some money in there and let's do that and let's target it towards something because that's the problem that's in you know on, on my desk or in front of mind. And and you know, maybe those initiatives would happen. They might happen slowly and differently, uh, you know, but because the government will make these very targeted calls, you step up and you do it, whether it's exactly the way you would approach it or whether the timing is perfect for what you would do. So, it's, so with federal funding, it's really just about getting the balance right. And, yes, industry needs to bring their money to the University of Lethbridge. That would be nice.
0: Um, this will just be our last question.
1: Douglas Mitchell... Oh, Douglas Mitchell uh, I was hired uh, in 1956 as a research scientist in Ottawa coming from Scotland as you may recognize and um, spent 20 years in Ottawa doing little uh, w- well I was going to ask you about adjectives we, we, keep, we always use the basic and applied the you, you didn't use them at all Used innovative and fundamental and other words of that book. Right. So maybe you should
2: clarify. I, I can unpack that for you, sure. <laughs> so, uh, are you are you a scientist? Was. Yeah. No. You're always a I'm scientist. Yeah, yeah, it looks like know. you're born. It, it's <laughs> genetic. It alters your genome.
1: I was also a manager for uh, a junior manager, well, middle manager for for another eight ten years 10 here. Years.
2: So the, 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 the nomenclature of basic and applied research fits in science, but it's less common to use that kind of language in health-related research or in uh, um, humanities or social science research. Yeah. so that's that's why we use this sort of fundamental or curiosity driven language to represent things that are sort of generated by the researcher or the scholar themselves as opposed to targeted or um, uh, now I'm going to forget my own language <laughs> you know yes
1: yeah uh, beyond that uh, uh, over the years th- there was a big change and I'm uh, rather curious to know about what you think about the role of government, in, uh, government employees in research, mm. and uh, that we don't always bow down to university That's researchers it. necessarily. And I'd like you to maybe uh, address and uh, yeah. discuss
2: that a little. That's a good question too, and that was part of that. That really boils down to the mandate of the panel and the mandate of the ministry. Uh, So we were really charged with looking at what's called the Tri-Council, so um, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, uh, NSERC, the National Science and Engineering Research Council, the Canadian uh, Institute for Health Research, which is our federal health level, and the Canadian Foundation for Innovation, which is the infrastructure federal funding body. Things like the research center over here are, are handled by a different ministry, handled by a different budget, and handled in really different ways, and they do really important work, but it's it's structured really differently. Uh, so we, we didn't touch that at all, um, and, and I think it's understood that it's not hurting quite so much because it actually has, to use uh, the other gentleman's language, applied um, outcomes that are attractive to governments, they actually use that research in much more immediate and direct ways. The issue that we were really looking at is, is faculty, basically faculty and graduate students who may not have that kind of directly identifiable line in their work that, you know, that is appealing in that way and we found that those guys are pretty under, under, undernourished if you want to use that language. You guys are so. Oh, no! Sorry. I just. I just want to say you are one of the smartest and most well-informed audiences, including my colleagues at the university that I've that I've had the pleasure to speak with. So I, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Uh,
0: thank you very much, Claudia. Um, so before we wrap up, I just um, would like to ask if there's any. Um, maybe question you'd like to send everybody home with to think a little bit more about or uh, comment or kind of a, a point to summarize that you really want to... I s- thought I
2: just... T- <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine too. <laughs> I, I don't have a take-home message except that I've, if I could... Uh, I will take on board the, the commentary about speaking with, um, with people, at with shadow ministers at the federal level and, and include that in the mail-out. I will send something via Knut, for people who may or may not wish to either, um, you know, to send to send the email forward as a sort of a petition to the relevant bodies, um, and and I do I do mean what I said. You know, you're a pretty smart bunch, and you know, it. We we need an elder program in the institution that might help us to steer this sh- steer the ship straight. That would be good. Thank you very much. <laughs>